This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. All right, what's really going on with King Charles? Fannie Willis has basically turned into a Batman villain. Bobert's interesting restraining order and a campaign manager admits to using subliminal messages in their campaign ads. This is Propaganda Reports Drive Time News Blast. I am Brad Binkley. For anybody who's a Georgia Tech basketball fan out there, I know there's a few of you, a quick real-time update, and this won't take long. Georgia Tech played some stingy defense tonight, holding Wake Forest to just 46% shooting and only 23% shooting from behind the three-point line. Unfortunately, it wasn't quite enough as they dropped a nail-biter to the Demon Deacons, losing by just 29 points, 80-51. to 51. The Yellow Jackets were right there, but they just couldn't quite overcome that early 35-6 to 6 deficit that the Demon Deeks put them into. And yes, this is a basketball game, not a football game. It was just one of those nights where had they made 13 or 14 more three-pointers, they might have been four or five more away from getting right back in the game. Fought hard. There will be other games. Let's hope nobody bet on Georgia Tech to cover the spread because they most definitely did not. Okay, on to the show. Got a lot of interesting stories with unique details to talk to you guys about, especially the subliminal messaging one, which is a crazy story. I want to start with something that happened to me today, an interaction I had, which is the first of many similar interactions that I'm going to be having in the next few weeks. And I would like to get y'all's ideas on how to maximize the fun that I believe I understand that I can now have with these interactions. Here's what's going on. I've talked about how my siblings and I have been getting my parents' house packed up and, and, and moved out and prepared to sell. And today, my sister had arranged for people from Mark Spain, Mark Spain WSP Studios, to come over here and do like uh, an assessment and I guess give us an appraisal. I'm not exactly sure what the full details of what information they're going to give us are, but we're having a lot of those companies do that so that we can just compare a bunch of different numbers. And the representatives that came over today were these two ladies who are total real estate ladies. Like they're nailing the real estate lady energy. Perfect. Smiley, upbeat, friendly, complimentary. They love everything. They love us. They love the house. Everything is perfect and beautiful. And I'm like, what house are you in? This place is a mess. And they're like, oh, you should see our house. This is wonderful. Okay. So they go off after that interaction. And my sister's showing them around the house. And they're you know, taking pictures or whatever. I go into the studio I have where I record. I can't record until they leave. So I'm just in there preparing. And they eventually make their way back over to the room where I am. And I could see as they were coming down the hall that one of these real estate ladies, she had you know, she had something she wanted to say. She had like a, a little spark in her eye. And she comes in the room, a little giddy, and she immediately looks at the green screen in awe. And she touches it and she feels it. And she goes, a green screen. Wow. You know, it's as though she had been waiting for this moment her entire life to finally get to touch feel and see a green screen firsthand and it was happening right here in this house and she couldn't be more grateful. She then looks at me and goes, 
your sister told us that you do a podcast. That's so cool. What's your podcast about? To which I said, well, I'm a conspiracy theorist. Both of these ladies go, oh my gosh, so are we. We love conspiracies. We could talk about conspiracies all night long. And then one of them grabs my wrist, leans over to me and goes, I think Taylor Swift is a man. To which I said, she's the white Michelle Obama. And both of them go, that's what we've been saying. It's so obvious. We've been telling everybody this. And I'm like, everybody? Like, everybody. They're talking about this as though you could just be standing in line at Starbucks just, just going, yeah, yeah, no. Two biggest cocks in America, Taylor Swift, Michelle Obama. And people would just be going, yeah, yeah. I've never felt more accepted as a conspiracy theorist in my life than I felt today when these two women were here pretending that all of this stuff is just okay, normal conversation because they were trying to yes and everything I said and mirror my energy in hopes that they will be the ones who ultimately get to try and rip us off on the sale price of this house. I could have leaned into them and said, hey, rumor has it that Cleese, the football player, you know, that his prison wallet is getting pummeled by Taylor's 12-inch donkey dong nightly. And, and these two would have leaned in and said, we hear it's 14. I could have said anything to these ladies and they would have gone with it. I could have said when they asked me what my podcast was about, I, I could have said to them, well, mostly I, I just like to bring a little context to Hitler. They both would have gone, totally. We love him. He's inspiring artist. That mustache hubba hubba. Been trying to get my husband to, to shave one of those, but he's such a pussy. Like it did not matter what I said. I, I could have hiled them on the way out and they both would have spun around and hiled me back with perfect form, probably using a German accent. So I was not looking forward to this before all of this because I don't like to have my space invaded and have to spend hours waiting for them to finish before I can get to work. But now I'm looking forward to the next time one of these companies has or some of these people are scheduled to come over because I've decided that I'm going to see how far I can get them to go. I'm going to see what they will accept because they can't come in here and say, when I tell them I'm a conspiracy theorist, they can't reject me. They can't treat me like the mainstream media and Biden and many of your progressive friends and my progressive friends treat us when they hear that we're conspiracy theorists. They can't scoff at us. They can't say, oh, you're a MAGA domestic terrorist. They have to accept everything that we say with as much enthusiasm as we say it if they hope to be the ones that get to lowball us and buy this property at dirt cheap prices. If they have any hope of that, they have to embrace us. And I want to see how far they will go. I have a few ideas. I would love to see in the comments, whether it's on Twitter, on Rumble, on Rockfin, on YouTube, ideas that you guys think I should try to see if they will accept. And they can't just accept, yes, that's great. They have to match my energy level too, like these ladies did. They have to be as good as them. The second that they aren't matching my enthusiasm, mirroring that, I'm going to act very disappointed with them. And I'm going to say, eh, maybe this isn't working out. Okay, this story to me, this top story is interesting because I, I think there's more to it than meets the eye. I think it actually might not turn out the way a lot of people think it will. And I think it could be a signal 
to Trump and Biden that it's time for them to abdicate, if you will, their positions from the Republican and Democrat Party and let the younger generation take over. Otherwise, there might be some consequences. Here's the story. 75-year-old King Charles has been diagnosed with cancer and will be stepping back from all public events. All of his public-facing duties have been postponed, and he, we will not see him indefinitely, okay? I mean, that's, that's kind of wild, right? And not only that, the statement from Buckingham Palace, it, it didn't even specify what kind of cancer he had. It told us that he didn't have prostate cancer, but it didn't say what he had, and it didn't tell us what, what stage the cancer was that they found. Like, usually if they find a cancer when it's early and there's optimism that they'll be able to eliminate it, then they'll tell you that. Or in his case, they wouldn't, they wouldn't tell the public about it at all. They would just get rid of it and nobody would ever know about it outside of the royal family. But here they leave everything vague and uncertain, which is the first peculiar thing to me. Uh, I'll get back to that uh, in a moment here. So another thing that basically on the surface, surface, the story makes it seem like the king is about to die. And another fact that further makes it look that way is that Prince Harry is actually going to be venturing out from the safe confines of his wife's Gucci bag in Los Angeles, and he's going to be flying home to Buckingham to see his dad. Perhaps he doesn't want to make a similar mistake that he made when his grandmother died, when he did not make it home in time, which that mistake was insisting to his brother and his uncle that his wife come with him, to which what you decipher from the story that happened is that caused an argument. They got into a fight, and his brother and his uncle, you know, the pedophile, or alleged pedophile, they, they just left him there. They just decided, we're not going to pick his ass up if he's going to bring that bitch. And they left him there because that's how much they hate Meghan Markle, they'd rather live the rest of their lives knowing that they prevented Harry from seeing his grandmother one last time before she died than they would spend 10 hours on a plane with Meghan Markle. So I'm assuming that this time, that's what it says in the story anyway, it says nothing about Meghan Markle coming with him. Maybe he's going to pack her in the suitcase and say, shut the hell up. If you make a peep, they will throw you out of the plane and me as well and we're done. Or maybe he's just going to leave her at home, which to me portrays a sense of urgency that he's willing to not even advocate for his crazy wife to come with him when he was so passionate about it before. So he's, he's going. And the story here isn't that a 75-year-old man, they found cancer. I mean, it sucks, but that's not a, a, that's not a shock. But the story here to me is the fact that they are telling the public what they're telling them, the way they're telling it. Because the royal family never does that. Like historically, they never tell the public when, one of their, when their king or queen is ill. In fact, they, they keep it from the public. And sometimes, as they did in the case of King George VI, the grandfather of the current king, they didn't, even, they didn't tell the public and they didn't even tell him when they found out that he was about to die. He was deathly ill and nobody told him. Yet everybody knew. I mean, can you imagine that? Dude's waking up every morning. How do I look? And everybody there who knows he's about to die is going, you look alive, king. You look alive today. 
I don't know about tomorrow, but today, I mean, it's kind of that's how far they go to prevent the public from finding out that they are not godly, that they're human. And yet here they're doing the opposite. So why are they doing that is the question that's been bugging me. Now, the reason that they say that for like the first time, really, that they're telling the public is because they said the king wants everybody to know to avoid speculation. Bullshit. Because as I pointed out a moment ago, they said what he didn't have, prostate cancer. Didn't say what he did have. Left that vague, which causes people to speculate. And then they didn't say what stage of cancer was, which causes speculation. And then they immediately canceled all of his public-facing duties, events, and said he's going to be remaining behind closed doors indefinitely. That, not the kind of thing, circumstances there, that eliminates speculation, kind of fuels it there. So this is not true, obviously. And the other reason they said that he wants to, or he wanted the public to know, is because he wants to share it in the hope that it may assist public understanding for all those around the world who are affected by cancer. Okay, well, that's, that's, that's bullshit. I mean, does he want that? Maybe. I don't know. But that's not why they're telling people. In my opinion, here are the possibilities as to why they are telling people that he's sick right now when this is not what they typically do. He's already dead. That's one possibility. He already died. And this is how they're easing the public into that information. Or he's about to die. Or, and I think that this is the wild card possibility that I actually think is going to happen. This story isn't being projected just to the UK. It's being projected to the world. And if the king, if he's going to allow them to show him as weak and ailing, He's only going to agree to do that if the narrative is created around it that ultimately turns him in to a hero for the world, a symbol, a model for the world. And so here's what I think could be going on. I think that he, he's not going to die. He's not dead. I think that he's about to abdicate. I, I think that the king is going to come out and publicly recognize, acknowledge that he's reached the limit of his ability to rule because of his age and ailing body. And that he recognizes that the wise, smart thing to do is to step aside and let a younger, more physically able ruler take his place on the throne, his son. And he will be celebrated or doing what kings and rulers never do, recognizing when it's time to step down. And then the parallels will be made that Biden and Trump should abdicate their ruling positions at the head of the Democrat and Republican Party. Maybe even other countries, there will be similar pressures to push out the older folks. This makes him the hero, setting the example for the world. I think that that is a propaganda narrative that's going to come out of this. We'll see. Maybe I'm way off. Maybe he's dead. Maybe they tell us tomorrow. I don't know. I have a feeling that they won't, though. This is just a strange story. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory— Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level 
today. That's shopify.com slash system. So stay tuned to that. Okay. Moving from England to Fulton County, Georgia, where the justice system continues to show itself to be a mockery with District Attorney of Fulton County, Fannie Willis, acknowledging over the weekend something that everybody already knew, which is that she is, in fact, having a personal relationship with one of the three special prosecutors that she hired back in 2021 to investigate and prosecute Trump's Fulton County election interference case. Fannie went on to say after making this admission that the special prosecutor she hired is very extra special to her. She went on to say that this relationship is in no way a reason to remove her or her office from the case. It's not grounds for removal, according to Fannie, who calls herself Fannie like she's French, Willis. She hires a guy who she's banging to be the top special prosecutor on Trump's, quote, uh, election interference case, which is a job that's paid for by taxpayer dollars. Taxpayer dollars that, after getting the gig, this guy who she, who's, who's sticking her, then took and used that taxpayer dollar, dollars to treat Fannie to multiple vacations in 2022 and 2023. That's private fun for Fannie, funded by taxpayer dollars, public funds, publicly funded private fund. And yet Fannie doesn't think that this hiring or the private use of these public funds for her own benefit is grounds for removal from this case. I mean, this is open, like Gotham City, like corruption right here. I mean, she literally ran for the district attorney on the platform of not doing the very thing that she is now admitting that she's doing and saying that it's not grounds for removal. Yet when she ran in 2020, she said the Fulton County people deserve not to have this very type of person as district attorney. It's, it's baffling that everybody just defends her. Despite this, I played this clip the other day. It's worth hearing a shorter version. This is just the end of the clip from the other day. Fannie Willis in 2020 talking about why she should be elected district attorney of Fulton County. I am going to be able to attract the best and the brightest minds to that office. You're sitting with someone today that actually wants to make a difference because they deserve a DA that won't have sex with his employees, because they deserve a DA that won't put money in their own pocket when it should go to benefit children because we deserve better. Well, that money's not going to benefit children. It's going to pay for vacations that the employee that she's having sex with is is paying for with that taxpayer money. I mean, exactly what she says here. She's doing the opposite of it. If she said the same things today, she would be describing how Fulton County doesn't need someone corrupt like her in office. I mean, it's crazy. And that's not the only time. I mean, she said that. That wasn't a one-off. This was actually her campaign platform. Here she is again saying it in a little bit of a different way, also in 2020. And um, I certainly will not be choosing people to date that work under them. <laughs> Let me. She won't. She won't be choosing people to date that work under her. Just say that. Um, you know, we are. Hear that again. Listen. Not... She's laughing about and, it. Um, I certainly will not be choosing people to date that work under them. <laughs> Let me just say that. Um, you know, we are at a place in society where things happen in people's relationships, husband and wife. Sometimes there are outside relationships. I don't think that that's what the community is concerned about, although, there, you know, there might be a, a moral breaking in that. 
I think that what citizens are really, really concerned about. She's she she broke up this guy's marriage. I mean, he's probably banging other people, too. She's the other woman, according to his ex-wife. Is if you chose a moral breaking in that. I think that what citizens are really, really concerned about is if you chose to have inappropriate contact with employees. I mean, there's nothing that I can say on it other than it is distracting. Um, it is certainly inappropriate for the number one law enforcement officer in the state. Um, and it just, it, it really, really saddens me. And it- she's calling her own behavior before she did it, or maybe she was already doing it back then, inappropriate and sad. It will be very unfortunate if the taxpayers of this community have to pay for any of those lawsuits. Right. Well, or if they have to pay for any of the vacations that the employee you're banging takes you on, which is what they did. I mean, she's robbing the Fulton County taxpayers. It is certainly inappropriate for the number one law enforcement officer in the state. Notice what she said there at the end. I thought it was really interesting. She said it was certainly inappropriate, referring to her predecessor, coercing sex from his employees for the number one law enforcement officer in the state. The number one law enforcement officer, of course, being the position she was running for at the time, the one that she holds now, the position of Fulton County District Attorney. I find that to be revealing because it shows how she views herself and confirms much of her other behavior. There are zero people outside of her who view the district attorney of any one county, of all the many counties in any state, as the number one law enforcement officer of that state. Her powers as Fulton County District Attorney end at the county lines where the powers of whoever the DA of the neighboring county begins. Yet she views herself and her power as extending beyond the borders of the county she is the DA of. She sees her position, and clearly herself, not just as the district attorney of the county that she was elected to the position in, She sees herself as the number one law enforcement officer in the state of Georgia. I would certainly take issue with that if I were the DA of any other county in the state or if I were the actual person that every state calls the top cop in the state, which is the state attorney general. But Fannie doesn't see it that way. And I've noticed this in the research I've done about her, which I'm learning more and more interesting things, which I'm going to talk about in the show that we will be doing live later tonight. She is a narcissist. She lives in a world that in her mind, she stands at the center of and is the most important figure of, a figure who other, uh, others clamor to satisfy the needs of and bend to her will Otherwise, there's going to be hell to pay. When you listen to her speak, I want you to remember this line about the top cop, her position being that when it's it's so clearly a misrepresentation of what her job is, an overextension of her power, which she sees no limits to where her power can go. She is power hungry. She's a narcissist. She has a God complex. And her career, if nothing else, demonstrates that The most important thing to her has never been the pursuit of actual justice. It's the least of her concerns, actually. Her goal, very clearly, has always been to pursue power, pursue wealth, pursue prominence, and to continue to acquire more and more power 
at not, I mean, with no ends, it, it certainly seems. And, and to do whatever is necessary. That is her primary operating standard. I am going to pursue more power. And to obtain it, my operating principle, do whatever is necessary to reach that end. No matter the impact it has on those who she screws over to accomplish those goals. Because the people whose lives she has ruined, and there are many, many of them are African-American progressives who identify themselves as, as having their lives wrongly and corruptly destroyed by her. Which I'll get into that on another show. There's a whole rabbit hole there. But to her, their destroyed lives and their future well-being was simply a necessary sacrifice for her continued acquisition of power. She will lie, she will coerce, she will threaten, she will bully, and she will abuse all of the power of the district attorney's office that she holds in order to destroy someone that she deems necessary to be destroyed for the sake of her own rise. And she'll tell you that she is justified in doing it because it is she and no one else who is the number one law enforcement officer, not just in the state. I am certain that right now she sees herself as the most important figure in the country because of the historic relevance of the Trump trial in Fulton County. This woman has such an overinflated sense of self-worth and importance that this is unlike any person I've ever seen before, the deeper I dig into this. And there ain't no way she's recusing herself from that trial. No, you will have to drag her away kicking and screaming because she's not going to voluntarily walk away from the first time a president has been charged with a criminal, with a crime for something he did while in office in American history. There is zero chance of that. She doesn't care how obviously unethical her actions are. She does not care. I mean, setting aside that she's not going to give up the spotlight that the case puts on her, setting that aside for a minute, there ain't no way she's removing herself for another reason, because the dude who she appointed, who was not experienced, far less experienced than all of the other options, who she's paying more than all of the other options, the others that she hired, she knows that if she were to remove herself or be forced out that the next thing that's going to happen is that dude who she's banging, who she put as the lead prosecutor, is going to be gone as well. And all of a sudden, the only reason that guy was willing to have sex with a woman who there is zero chance he is actually attracted to is gone. This guy's not going to keep banging this woman who grosses him out when he is not getting to live his dream of bumping shoulders with people in the White House and being put in a position that it was being reported was the pinnacle of his career and his opportunity for everything after this. This guy's run for office many times before he hasn't won. This was his dream come true. And he felt he was willing to sacrifice his dick and stick it in a nasty dumpster in order to achieve it. He's not going to do that for nothing. He will be gone. I guarantee, unless she has something else that she can offer him, or she has him compromised, which he's already lost his wife, who, by the way, is super smoking hot. There's no way you go from this woman who he was married to directly 
to a person whose personality is as miserable as her ass is wide. There's something clearly corrupt here. Fannie Willis is the female black district attorney version of Harvey Weinstein. Fannie was never going to win this guy over with her beauty or sex appeal or charm, of which there are none. And she certainly wasn't going to win him over with her warm, nurturing, selfless, and giving personality. Those are not qualities that she possesses, and she knows this, and she doesn't pretend to have them. She w- it wouldn't work for her. So she gets laid the way that she best can get laid. She coerces people who would never otherwise have sex with her by using her power to make them stick it in her for fear that she might fire or destroy them or in the hopes that she will give them this grand opportunity that she has the power to give them. Think about that Wade guy, the person she's banging now. He has clear political aspirations when you look at his background. Very, very driven, ambitious to become a well-known public political figure in this world. That's what drives him. Here is Fannie Willis with the biggest opportunity ever for a man just like that that could make or break his career. She goes to him and says, look, Mr. Wade, I have all of these other prosecutors over here who, the white guys, she probably doesn't even want to touch their dick. They have all of the experience and all of the qualities to do this job They are the natural selection because of what they have done and because of the important—you don't want to give a job like this, right, trying to get Trump to someone who doesn't know what they're doing and hasn't proven themselves like he hasn't. So she says, I wish I could give you this grand opportunity, but you're simply not qualified, so I'm going to give it to one of these other guys unless you'd like to prove yourself another way. Take your pants off, stick your penis in me, and show me you're qualified for this job, and we'll see what we can do. I'm speculating. I bet I'm not far off. This is how she was trained to achieve things in her life. She grew up learning to get what she wants using the tactics and techniques of the Black Panthers, which her dad was a member of, which is why it's so easy for her to campaign on promises that she never intends to keep. Once elected, her campaign promise to not have sex with employees and not exploit public money for her own private benefit was not something she actually cared about. It was the most opportunistic campaign message in that moment. So the reason that she was running on this platform is because her predecessor as district attorney did the same thing. He was banging his employees and he was enriching himself off of public funds. And so she ran against that, except the difference is everyone herself leading the way, the media jumping full on board, especially around here in Atlanta, they all hashtag me to this guy, made him out to be the worst, most evil person because he was a male, he was a black guy, he was a male, but he has a penis. So they hashtag me to him. Fanny, the head executioner there, which resulted in her, he, he's her former boss too, by the way, this is her former boss. It's the type of person she is. She chopped his head off and then took over, right? On the promise of not doing what he did. And then did the exact same thing that he did. With one difference, she did it as a female instead of a male. And the media, instead of going after her and hashtag me to her like they did him, well, 
What did they do instead? They called any accusations, not, not, not accusations. They called anyone who points out the thing that she admits is true. They called the pointing of that out racist. You pointed out a true thing that she just admitted. Therefore, you are a racist. Again, following her lead on that messaging, because before she admitted this, like a week before she admitted that everything Trump's team accused her of was true. She gave a sermon or something at a black church on Martin Luther King Day. And during that sermon, she implied that the accusations against her were fueled only by racism. And she did this by questioning why Trump's team, why of the three special prosecutors who she hired, why they were only focused on the black prosecutor that she hired. Because the other two are white. So it must be racist or, or perhaps because that's the one you're banging. Maybe that's why instead of racism, unless the implication here is that she's having sex with all three of them. If she's like, I'm banging all three of these special prosecutors that I hired. Why are they only singling out the black one? Okay. I'm getting banged by all of them at the same time. Is that the implication here? Uh, if so, then I apologize because then she has a little bit more uh, credibility for her claim of racism because then obviously if they're all three nailing her, why are you just picking on the black guy? I don't think that's the case. Although I'm certain she's probably banging a lot of other guys also as he is uh, uh, women. I mean, it, it, like nowadays with DEI stuff, it's like dudes are going to be the ones banging their way to the top, especially white dudes. You know, White dudes are just going to have to be plowing their way through like 2,000 pound black women in wheelchairs uh, to get ahead in the corporate world with the way DEI standards are, are going right now. As I said, not the first time she's done this. During the same case back in 2022, and I, I talked about the story at the time in July of 2022, she was criticized. She's already messed up the case a little bit. Um, not, not that there's a case there, but you get what I mean. She was criticized by a Fulton County judge because she hosted a fundraiser for a Democrat candidate for office here in Georgia, uh, a candidate who was running against one of the people who she had targeted as one of Trump's uh, uh, potential co-defendants that she was conducting a criminal investigation into. She's conducting a criminal investigation into a person while at the same time funding a political fundraiser for the campaign of this guy's opponent. Do you see any problem there? The judge did, and he criticized her. He, he, he was appalled by it, and the judge, good on him, actually blocked her from continuing to build a case against this guy because of the clear bias. However, that ain't stopping this Fanny because she still went on to name this guy as an unindicted co-conspirator as part of the Fulton County indictment, which those names came out. So she still was able to damage this person despite her clear bias and, and the block on the investigation, right? So what is that? No, oh, helicopter, black helicopters, man. So this Gotham City villain just gets away with abusing power right out in the open and never faces the consequences of it. These are the things we know about that she's done. Can you imagine the shit she's done that well, I'm sure people know about, but that no, the public has, has never heard a peep about? So Fanny admits that 
she was in the uh, relationship that Trump's team accused her of being in. And here's how the media reported this. After she said it was racist to accuse her of the things she later admitted doing. This is how the media reported it. Fannie admits relationship that Trump weaponized against her in Georgia case. He, he, he told the truth about what she was doing. But, but he's wrong. Here's another headline. Trump, Trump's public deflection strategy in Fannie Willis case. Public deflection? Unbelievable. Their willingness to support her when all of these same publications attacked her predecessor following her lead. They're following her lead here too. Here's another headline. Fannie Willis opens up about ugly, racist abuse she and her family endures. Telling, pointing out a fact that someone admits to. This is what constitutes ugly, racist abuse. I mean, this is crazy. I mean, no one is calling her out. They are letting her get away with anything. I mean, this is dangerous right here. Uh, apparently, it's not only wrong to call out provable and admitted corruption. It's also racist. That's, that's the ultimate lesson learned for me here. This is what happens in a society where identity politics rule, where people get what they want, uh, where they rise politically, and, and where they avoid scrutiny by exploiting Identity politics, which the exploitation of this results in a cultural environment where the majority of the public is too afraid to point out obvious provable corruption because of the fear that if they do, if they say two plus two is four, they will be branded a racist and unable to uh, interact socially or, or possibly get work. They might lose their job. I mean, this is a true fear. Using identity politics. People who use identity politics aren't bringing anybody together. They're relying on keeping people apart. On the question of should she be removed from the case, I don't think they should remove her from the case. I think it's already gotten ridiculous. They've already proven that they're going to allow such ridiculousness that I think they should go all the way with it. I think they should let her stay on the case, which is going to be televised. Make sure it's televised. And I think they should allow, during while Trump's lawyers are making their, their defense, I think they should allow... Fanny and her special special prosecutor to to have sex uh, on the floor of the courtroom or or in the little little stand right next to the judge's seat wherever they could she can be having sex with all three of the special prosecutors very loud sex while Trump's lawyers making the argument it'll be just like a step up from what the uh, the giggling lawyer and his court clerk were doing in the New York case so let's go full degeneracy here okay let's let america during trump's trial live let's let us all watch fanny and her three special prosecutors get syphilis speaking of syphilis you like that little segue according to the cdc syphilis is on the rise worldwide with cases reaching their highest levels in more than a decade and with what the cdc calls an epidemic showing no signs of slowing down why They've investigated why this is the case. Any ideas? I'll give you a second to see if you can come up with what might be a contribute the biggest contributing factor to this new epidemic of syphilis that has hit the world. Got it? Dating apps. Wow. 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 So insightful. 
such great research, CDC, how much money was invested into answering that question? You know, tens of thousands of dollars were put into a study conducted on this. I think you could ask most people on the street that question, and they'd give you that answer for free. What a shock that apps that make it easier for people to have sex with multiple partners, none of whom advertise their syphilis on their Tinder profile, what a shock that that would contribute to a a rise in cases of syphilis. That's why they pay you the big bucks over there at at the CDC to find that hard-to-find information that we people are just, uh, you know, we, we average Americans are just too stupid to be able to pinpoint. Now, moving on from syphilis to Lauren Boebert, the Republican congresswoman was recently granted, a, this is an interesting story, a restraining order against her ex-husband. And while a lot of men would love to be restrained by Lauren Boebert, it's not that kind of restraining order. It's the bad kind. It's the kind where you're not allowed to go within 100 feet of her or you'll get arrested. And it's interesting because we, some of you might remember the story where the media made it look like she attacked her husband, and maybe she did, her ex-husband. She was the aggressor. I, I don't know. But I didn't hear really any coverage. I just found this about what the police were saying and what was written in the police reports. And of course, that, you know, she has power. Perhaps she has friends. Uh, I don't know. But this is what the police have been saying, have been going on that has led to this uh, restraining order. Her husband. He's alleged to have been making harassing phone calls to her, making threats to her by stealing and damaging her property. And he's also been accused of abusing uh, their children. And he's also been involved in two domestic violence incidents, both involving involving Bobert last month. One of them is one that was in the news that happened on January 6th at the restaurant where police showed up, said that he was uncooperative and they had to remove him from the scene. And the other was three days later, January 9th, where Jason Bobert, where he allegedly attacked their 18-year-old son. And after he called the police, went and grabbed his rifle. That's not good behavior. I mean, that's, that's somebody needs to step in and help this guy. Even if he is being wronged, I'm sure that she's responsible for more of this than these stories lead on. But if he's doing some of these things they're describing, somebody needs to help him before it goes too far. Uh, Things that he's been charged with in these incidents is uh, assault, disorderly conduct, third degree criminal trespass, and obstructing a peace officer. And according to the restraining order, he cannot have any contact with his ex, uh, nor can he have contact with their three minor children, the ones that are under 18. And he has to stay 100 feet away from all of them. I mean, that that will anger a father, right? Especially if he feels like he's being wronged. I'm speculating there's probably a drinking problem or something going on here that he's being uh, gotten under wraps. In a statement, because he was asked about this by the Colorado Sun, Jason Bobert said that this only seems to be a desperate move to justify her move to the 4th District at the expense of my suffering. I have been raising my boys for the last four years alone while she has chosen to live a different lifestyle, free of family responsibilities with no participation as a mother or a member of our family. Now, I don't doubt that her you know, becoming famous, mostly becoming famous because of her boobs and her boobs being groped 
during a, a musical theater performance while she's grabbing a dude's crotch. Like this guy had to see that all the time. Okay. Most people, when they break up, they can just have the willpower not to look at their Instagram page, right? Out of sight, out of mind. This guy just turned to the news one day. And for the next week, he's, he's watching a video of the woman he's been married to since he was like really young. Like I think probably like late teens. I mean, they got married pretty early. They had kids. They, they have grandchildren because they had a kid when they were so young in their teens, I think. His whole life, his whole adult life. And now he's got to watch her. He's got to see her. It's inescapable seeing her groping this other guy and everybody's talking about her. And I mean, that will drive someone insane, right? Especially if there's already a lot of problems there. That will push somebody who's already unstable over the edge. His friends need, need to intervene, okay? They need to go stay close to him 24-7, his friends and family, or they need to get him away from there. And he's going to want to be around his kids, but they need to straighten him out, and then that can happen, okay? Somebody actually, what needs to happen is somebody needs to set him up with a smoking hot chick that makes him forget all about Bobert. Somebody please set this guy up before he does something that's tragic. I, I'm serious. This is like, I, I, I'm, I feel bad for this guy, but also the stuff he does is not right. He needs to get it together. He's a man up. Hopefully he has friends and family that can help him. And turn off the TV, dude, because Bobert ain't going anywhere. Those boobs are stars, right? So you can't look at them. Find you some different boobs. It'll make your life a lot easier, dude. All right, is there anything else in the story that I left out? Uh, I don't think so. All right, final story of the day, which is going to be about the subliminal messaging that was used in these campaign ads, which is a really wild story. But before we get to that, I want to tell you what we're going to talk about in the DMBXR, which is I'm going to play the uh, Nikki Haley moment where she's just completely embarrassing herself in the most cringe way on SNL. And I want to go through a story where it was the most unique attempt to distract uh, an opponent's free throw shooters that I've ever seen by uh, a college student section that is one that they cannot take back. This is an irreversible strategy that they use to help their team. Let's see if it worked. We'll talk about that in the DMB XR. If you want to get access to that subscriber-only content, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report. Subscribe there today. You'll get the subscriber content. Plus, you'll get this show ad-free. I put them together. No ads. I take them out for these subscribers. Put them into your own private Patreon RSS feed. And then as soon as I... Then you put that in your podcast app. Then as soon as I load that thing up to Patreon, it goes directly into your podcast app. That's how I support myself. How I support the show. It's how I keep this thing going. And if you aren't in a position to do that, or you don't want to do that right now, another way you can help us out is by simply letting the ads play through. We don't get any of the money if the ads don't play through. We, we get nothing. It's super helpful if you let them play through. You, you're doing us like a huge solid. You could share the show uh, with your friends, tell them to check it out. You could leave a five-star review uh, with a, a comment that warms my heart. I've been inspired ever since I did the moderating of the Libertarian presidential primary debate and the, the kind comments that people say to me because yeah, you always worry about, oh, we're all, we're all self-critical. We always worry about the worst things people say. People do say mean things, but more people say good things. And that is actually my, my main fuel and motivator. So thank you for everybody who does that. And I, I really do appreciate it. And thank you guys again for listening. And now let's go on. Uh, by the way, youtube.com slash Brad Binkley, rumble.com slash prop report, Freedom Act Radio. What else? Oh, rockfin.com slash propaganda report. Check me out on all those. Subscribe. Share it with your friends. Final story of the day. Very, very interesting story. Let's see. So there was a campaign for the Wisconsin Supreme Court uh, in 2023 that we are now learning from the campaign manager of one of the candidates. The candidate's name is Janet Protasiewicz. 
Potaskowitz. I'm going to say that name a different way every time. I'm just going to call her Janet P. Okay. Janet P. was, they, they don't run as Democrats and Republicans up there, but she is the Democrat and her opponent was a Republican. And this was the most highly funded judicial uh, state race in history. $50 million put into it. Both the Democrats and the Republicans on both sides had a lot of stake in it, invested tons of money. George Soros was the largest donor to this woman's campaign, not her, but the woman who won, who this campaign ad, her, her, her campaign, Janet P., made this ad you're about to see. Soros donated a million dollars to this woman. Okay, So this was a major, major campaign. And her campaign manager is now coming out and revealing something that most people didn't know before outside of the campaign. I'm going to let you watch this. This ad and see if you see the subliminal message that this guy has been going around bragging about slipping in to all of the to all of the attack ads against her opponent dan kelly here is the ad i paid into social security my whole life now i depend on it we earned it but extremist dan kelly doesn't think so he said social security is like slavery and kelly wrote that seniors on social security are quote People who have chosen to retire without sufficient assets to support themselves. To support themselves. People, who is this guy? This guy's voice is cracking me up, man. I'm making fun of these people, and you'll see why I have no problem making fun of these people once you realize what they have been doing and what they're bragging about doing. So if I seem insensitive right now, I don't think you'll have a problem making fun of them either once you get this whole story. Without sufficient assets to support themselves. What a jerk. That tells you a lot about the kind of judge you'll be on the court. He's an extremist. He's too extreme. He doesn't care about us. Okay, did you guys see it? Did you see the subliminal message? I'm going to show you. So look over her right shoulder, this woman. Uh, there's a table back there. It's out of focus. There's a potted plant. And it's a pink potted plant. Do you see what's in front of the pink potted plant that's also out of focus? It's a tiny horse. Tiny horse, okay. Maybe you can see it a little bit better. Yeah, so you can see it when it's pointed out, definitely. All right, so there's a tiny horse. Now, these tiny horses were embedded as subliminal messages, references. This, this is the way her campaign manager, Janet P., her manager, described them. And now I'm going to, uh, with that in mind, knowing that those horses were embedded in all of the attack ads against her opponent. Now I'm going to play for you one of the radio ads and see if you notice a similar theme. The embedding of the subliminal message or reference, they call it both, not near as subtle in this one. There goes Dirty Dan Kelly riding off into the sunset of this pathetic, dishonest campaign. All right, I just want to start that again. Listen to that opening there. The words and the sounds. There goes Dirty Dan Kelly. Riding off into the sunset of his pathetic, dishonest campaign. He's badly trailing Judge Janet Protosewitz. So Dan and his friends are trying to pickle your brain with lies. Because they don't want you to know the truth. That for all his tough talk on crime, Dan Kelly has never sensed a single criminal to jail. Not one, partner. Some tough guy. Even a bar association rated him, quote, not qualified. I'm guessing that's because Kelly is corrupt as a termite-infested house. You heard about the Zignego case, right? The one where Kelly recused himself, then took $20,000 from Zignego and his family. Then Kelly unrecused himself so he could judge the case. Boy, 
If honesty were leather, Dan Kelly couldn't saddle or flee. So don't hitch your wagon to Dirty Dan's rotten ride. He's just too corrupt. Paid for by Janet for Justice. Okay, before I even knew what this story was about, because I, I watched these videos first, but if I were just deconstructing that, my, my deconstruction would be, so so they they want they want to sound like Dirty Dan is fucking a horse. Listen to that beginning again, the way the horse sounds, and then Dirty Dan. There goes Dirty Dan. The Dirty Dan's got his dick in the horse right there. That's why the horse is screaming like that. And then you come down here to the thirty second mark, and you'll notice a little bit of a, a different sound coming from the horse and Dirty Dan. Here you go. Association rated him quote not qualified. I'm guessing that's because Kelly is. Some tough right, Kelly has never sensed a single criminal to jail. Not one, partner. Some tough guy. Okay, so that one, now, especially once you hear that this is actually what they're doing. The first one, Dirty Dan, is, is porking the horse. Here, the horse is sucking Dirty Dan off. This is not me. This is what they did. This was campaign ads that the candidate who George Soros funded to the tune of a million dollars, he was the biggest donor, who is now a sitting Wisconsin Supreme Court judge. Her campaign filtered this uh, messaging, subliminal messaging, that her opponent has intercourse with horses throughout all of their attack ads, and now her campaign manager is actually bragging about the fact that they did do this. These aren't my terms. He is bragging about how he went on this liberal podcast that they embedded those little horses and these horse sounds in these ads because they were conveying that her opponent, Janet P., this Dan guy, that he looks like a horse fucker. This is her campaign manager's words. Let's hear a couple more of those horse sounds here at the end of that again. I can't remember what they sounded like. Used himself, then took $20,000 from Zignego and his family. Then Kelly unrecused himself so he could judge the case. Boy, if honesty were leather, Dan Kelly couldn't saddle or flee. So, so everything, the way they talk about Dirty Dan, you know, you, know, you hear there's old Dirty Dan, he's got Dirty Dick Dan. That's the whole vibe. And so this one, I don't know why they made the horse images. They embedded them in the back to signal people who were in on who knew what was going on but here they just make it very very overt and now before we look at this guy which we will we're going to look at all of these people since they are judging him we're going to look at all a lot of these people involved and see what they look like see if they look they look like they might fuck or get fucked by horses but this dan guy is a lawyer who helped stop the steal investigate the 2020 election in wisconsin he like uh, advised or something in that effort. So that's th that's one reason they hate him. And this woman is pro. -L she's not LGBT, but but she's she's all that progressive shit. And, and so that's why you get George Soros in there. And, and this Dan guy, because the claim, her campaign manager claims that it was not Janet P's campaign that came up with the idea to put these subliminal like messages in her ads that suggest that he fucks horses they say that they got this from a focus group that they did a focus group and somebody was like well what do you think of dan well i think he looks like he fucks horses yeah you know what i just say that he does look like a regular horse fucker right so they said they heard that at first 
And then they just, it was an inside joke to begin with. And then as they were out on the campaign trail, they noticed that all of these other people that they were meeting on the campaign trail were going, hey, you ever noticed that old, old Dan looks like he fucks horses? Or gets it, maybe he get, he looks like a horse fucker. Everybody just saw this. Uh, I mean, it was, you couldn't miss it. The guy is a horse fucker, right? It's all over his face. That's bullshit. It's absolute bullshit. What happened, because I looked at these campaign strategy people that uh, was bragging about this and that worked with her, they filtered this messaging through all of their fucking Slack channels. They created this, and now they're trying to act like it was a grassroots, naturally emerging thing. When in reality, this is a George Soros million-dollar funded uh, campaign operation to brand the conservative opponent as someone who fucks horses. This isn't grassroots. This is bullshit. But this guy sitting there bragging about it, he even said that the candidate, Janet P., she didn't even know that the little horses were embedded in the background of the videos. Which is a weird thing to say because it's an attempt to try and distance her from, you know, calling her opponent a horse fucker, which is not something that gives you a lot of uh, confidence in a Supreme Court. Does Oh, there's a lady who won by branding her opponent someone who fucks horses. That's my judge. No. So they're trying to distance her from it. But the problem is there's no pretending that she didn't know what was going on with those radio ads. Zero. She absolutely knew what was going on. They're full of shit and they should have kept their mouth shut because had they kept their mouth shut, not enough people would be wise to it. And that Dan guy, her opponent, old dirty Dan, he might not have found out about it. Other people might not have found out about it because there will be other campaigns. All of these people involved now open themselves up to similar treatment. And this woman, it is a 10-year term. If she does decide to run again, there will be people who remember. And I got to tell you, she don't exactly look like she doesn't fuck horses. And I hope, I hope that when her term is up, that she gets the same fucking treatment that this guy did. I'll admit, it's kind of funny. I'm not going to lie. It is a little funny. I wouldn't have done it the way that they did it. I would have like gotten a character like, uh, Chick-fil-A cow like character to play, I don't know, maybe, uh, um, you know, life, life size chick, somebody's in a, a horse suit and the horse is just tired of being sodomized. So he joined the Democrat party and now he's, now he's, uh, instead of getting, uh, forcefully raped, which I guess that's the implication in some of the, their, um, ads, he's ha willingly having sex with George Soros. He loves getting banged or banging George Soros. Like he's so much happier now. Or maybe you have a, a, a horse who is like a jilted ex-lover of the, of the other guy, the conservative, that they want to smear. And the horse is just like, I was so oppressed in my old relationship. You know, the horse could even be like, I've had so many abortions. My ex made me have all these babies, these horse-human hybrids. But now I have an abortion every week and I'm getting ridden by a new guy, sometimes two and three at a time bouncing up and down on me every day and it just shows the, the horse bounding across with like shirtless dudes on top of it. This is the response that Dan Kelly the guy they're smearing this is what he told the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel after he found out about what his opponent's campaign manager has been saying. He said this goes a long way towards explaining why Janet P's campaign was so dishonest, undignified and lacking in respect for the office of Supreme Court Justice. This is sick, Kelly said. Wisconsinites ought to be appalled by this kind of vulgarity and vileness. Which I, I got to say, 
So, sounds a little bit like something a horsefucker would say. I'm kidding, Dan. I'm kidding. Again, I, I don't mind the mockery of it. I, I think it's so ridiculous. It's just so fitting that the most funded judicial race, $50 million, 100 from Soros, in American history, that I think it was $13 million of her campaign was used on these TV and radio ads. $13 million of that money went towards making ads where the central subliminal message was that the Republican fucks horses. I mean, this is the American politics at its finest right here, baby. I mean, come on. Look at, I mean, this is pornography. This is verbal pornography that people like George Soros are funding. It's always been like this, man. People think it's new. Go back and read some of the propaganda and the attacks that the earliest uh, candidates for president made against each other. They were vile, man. They were brutal. They still are. Okay, so here, here's what Ver, the campaign manager for Janet P said. His last name is Verdon. I can't remember his first. He says, as I mentioned earlier, that, like I said, it, just they knew about it. Then, of course, he's lying, saying, then everybody was saying the same thing. They all saw it. And then he said that the whole campaign, the idea to put subliminal messages about horse fucking in the ads really went up to the next level when another media consultant got involved, when a guy, and, and this, is, this is what they say his real name is, and I can't find, I haven't looked too deeply, but Wikipedia, uh, his bio, probably changed his name to this, but his name, the guy who stepped it up, the horse fucking, to a new level, is Ben Knuckles. Ben Knuckles is the guy that turbocharged this campaign of subliminal horse fucking messaging, right? And here's what Verdon said. He said, Knuckles, Ben Knuckles, N-U-C-K-L-E-S, he literally hid visuals of horses in nearly every negative ad produced against Dan Kelly. So this guy's acting like he didn't know about it. The guy knew about it, uh, Verdon said. Verdon said, you don't see it. Uh, and then we didn't catch on. Right. This is the trying to give that idea that they didn't know what was going on with their own campaign ads. Right. Like they don't inspect these things. Uh, when I when I make a video like that, like especially if it's like a, a, a you know a production that has some funding to it, not just one silly one that I make uh, myself, but I'm looking at every detail of that. I can I can tell you every single freaking minor detail. I definitely would have seen the horses if this were my campaign video, and I guarantee you they they didn't just not they didn't just know they were there. It, they were all in on this shit together. This was a campaign strategy. They're so full of shit. Just be honest about it. Just be honest about it and own it. I would respect them a lot more if they did. And he said, and like the dude did it really well, right? And, and I want to get back to Ben Knuckles, okay? Ben Knuckles, guy responsible for making this really happen. The dude who came up with the idea is named Ben Knuckles. That sounds like the nickname of someone who's always asking you to smell his fingers right after he just got done fisting a farm animal. That's Ben Knuckles right there. Ben Knuckles is a farm animal fister who goes to the lunch table and says, smell my fingers. That's, that's your Ben Knuckles, in my opinion. And get this, Ben Knuckles works for a political strategy firm. This is the name of his political strategy firm. S-T-R-O-T-H-E-R and Knuckles. Strother and Knuckles. That sounds like what a couple of rapey frat boys call their plan to get laid at a party by getting all of the women as passed out drunk as possible. Another thing real quick before I show you these images. 
this was not a focus group. This Dan guy is, he has a back, like he, I think he lives on a farm. Yeah, the guy like rides horses. He, he talks in a lot of his campaign. So the guy is like a farm, a, a cowboy type character who rides horses. Like with his family and stuff, you know, and, and this guy, Verdon, is like laughing about how the funny part about it is that he actually really likes horses. And so he made it seem like like he's having sex uh, with, with the horses, you know, because Dan Kelly and he says it here. He, he he sees himself as as a horseman. Like that's how Dan Kelly presents himself. So they took that to a new level. Anybody who presents themselves as a rugged horseman is obviously having sex with the horse. This is where it originated. Not a focus group. These people are trolls. They're trolls. Uh, the job of a troll is now one and the same as a, a campaign strategist. This here is Verdon. This is Alex, Alexandro Verdon, the campaign manager running his cock holster about how great it was that they uh, did this little operation and how successful it was with their million dollars from George Soros. This guy to me looks like every creepy, rapey male feminist you've ever seen in your life. These dudes who proudly advocate that they are male feminists, they are the rapiest guys you've ever met. They try and sneak their way in close to the women who probably think they're gay up until the moment that dudes like this, who look just like this guy, corner them in a dark alley and make an unwanted advance. Then they're rejected and they flip their shit. Moving on. Let's look at Ben Knuckles of Strother and Knuckles. There's their campaign site, right? All right, skip that one. There's Ben Knuckles. There's Ben Knuckles right there. Get a little bit bigger so you can see the image. Uh, there's his face right there. Ben Knuckles looks like the kind of guy who always has quaaludes on him just in case a chick leaves her drink unattended. His partner, look at Strother here. Strother actually looks like below this image, uh, below the camera frame, like he is grabbing onto, not a horse, but a pony's ass and having sexual intercourse with it. And that explains the creepy smile coming across this guy's face. This guy shouldn't be allowed within 100 feet of any man, woman, or animal. Or, or inanimate object. He's got the face of somebody who you never want to wake up next to. Because you know if you did, well, you blacked out and the core form rag worked. Moving away from pony fucker here. I am fairly certain. Looking at. Dan, a dirty Dan's page. These guys, his opponents, had somebody go in and edit his Wikipedia page to choose a picture that would, after people are primed with the horse effer imagery and sounds, that when they see the picture they chose, confirms that priming bias that has been set up. There is zero chance that. This Dan guy chose the picture that's in his Wikipedia profile. In fact, it, it automatically, it's not a headshot that was chosen. It's a shot. It's like, unlike almost every Wikipedia, it's clearly a sabotage effort by someone funded millions of dollars, George Soros, and potentially sometimes it's hard to even change false information or unattractive photos that other people might edit into someone's Wikipedia page. Maybe perhaps the left-leaning Wikipedia owner would make something like that difficult. to So look at this photo here. Does Dan, the conservative, look like a horse fucker? 
After all of that, looking at this picture, yes, absolutely he does. Because what, what is this picture here? They, they chose, there's a, some font up here in the right corner, right? Let me make this a little bit bigger. So after all of that talk and those, those commercials, he is at like a debate or something here. Because you see the water glass, you see the red back there. This is some sort of public discussion or debate. They chose a picture that makes it look like he was in the middle of presenting some policy position of his. And during the middle of his sentence, some horse that he finds super sexy walked by in front of him and he just completely lost his train of thought and followed that horse with his head and eyes. And that's why his head is turned to the left and he's looking like he might be salivating a little bit right now. It's like he's going, yes, I social security is slavery and look at that sexy horse. They, they chose a perfect picture to trigger the confirmation bias that they had primed with all of their ads. This guy might not even know this photo's up here. Surely, somebody should tell him. Somebody needs to tell him. So he just found out about all this, right? So that actually makes sense. Because he just found out about this when this guy started running his mouth on the podcast. So he wouldn't have known that this image fits perfectly into what they had done over a year ago until now. So if you're listening, Dan Kelly, go into Wikipedia and change your profile picture so it doesn't look like you're staring at what you think is a good-looking horse vagina. Moving on. Other than that, and I'm not going to say this guy looks like he, you know, you can say anybody looks like that. It's just the guy looks like he's a, a kind of a country bumpkin guy, but he's probably a smart guy because he's a, a lawyer. But I, I will say this, though. What he looks like to me, if I can find that image, and maybe I'm way off on this. You guys remember Shepard Smith, right? The former Fox News guy that uh, uh, I think he, when he came out as gay and then he left the network. He looks to me like Bizarro Shepherd Smith. Like, Shep like if Shepherd Smith were an old country sheriff or something, or, or like Shepherd Smith's half-brother from another mother. Like, there's Shepherd Smith, full polish. There's rugged Shepherd Smith. Shepherd Smith, rugged Shepherd Smith. Maybe I'm way off on that. You guys see it? Am I crazy? So, before we see what his opponent, Judy, looks like, or Janet, Let's see what the biggest investor to her campaign, old George Soros, looks like. Here's George Soros spotting a horse whose ass he is determined to get a piece of. He spotted his next victim over here in the, the right photo. Here's George Soros pleading with that very horse to sleep with me, just have sex with me. And he's on the verge of tears because the horse is saying, get away from me, creep. And we complete the circle here with George Soros here. He's cornered the horse in a back alley and he's telling the horse, this can happen the easy way or this can happen the hard way. RIP to that horse. We know that Soros only likes to fuck them after they're already dead. Moving on, sitting Supreme Court justice in the Wisconsin Supreme Court, right here on the right. So you see Janet here. Uh, next to the American flag with the same bowl cut that every seventh grade boy in America has, just as uncombed, just as messy, staring across the room as she is thirsting to taste her most favorite, favorite horse stick that just walked in the room. She can already taste that horse stick. She's salivating and she can't wait to get over there. Here, our Wisconsin Supreme Court justice is, again, this time dressed like the inside of a Myrtle Beach trailer home staring over at someone who better get the hell out of there or rape is about to happen. Here she is one last time, dressed as Fat Riddler 
fuck these people. They can all go suck a horse's dick. Sorry for the vulgarity. I did give an earmuffs warning, and that's where I'm going to wrap up the show for today. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you guys next time. Have a fantastic rest of your day. This is the Drive Time News Blast XR. I am Brad Binkley. So what we're going to do now is I just want to play for you. I don't know if you guys saw. You probably did. Nikki Haley's appearance on SNL. Do a little bit of deconstruction of this. This will be probably brief. Nikki Haley showed up on SNL, you know, simply to bash Trump. I talked after the whole slavery thing where they said she made a mistake by not saying slavery was a main cause of the Civil War, but it wasn't her fault because Trump's racist and all of the MAGAs who she thinks she has to win, she has to get the racist to vote for, they forced her into not saying slavery, therefore it's Trump's fault, which couldn't be more apparent that that is what was going on. And she was part of this whole setup the whole time because what has happened to Nikki Haley since that moment? She has risen to number two. Everybody else has been out. She's gotten more campaign funding. She's been featured on CNN more. She's been uh, given excuses for, propped up. And now she's get, being given a platform on SNL. Why would they? Uh, again, th so my theory on that, by the way, was they knew that if they asked Trump what caused the civil war that Trump wouldn't be stupid enough to not say that, that uh, slavery was a cause. Of course he would say that he's not stupid. So they had to get Nikki Haley to, they had to ask her the question and get her to agree to not say slavery so that they could then uh, use her not saying it and, and blame it on Trump. Right? Like it's just, it's really convoluted. And yet here's us now bringing on the woman who didn't say slavery when asked that question, whether or not you agree with it. I mean, you have to say that, you know, and it was a contributing factor. Obviously there's many factors, but that was a, a major factor. Obviously secession. Yes. But look, you get it. You have to say that as your answer you, or unless you're Nikki, Hay, any other candidate that did not include slavery in an answer to that question would be getting eviscerated day in and day out. They would never hear the end of it for the rest of their political career ever. Maybe their lives might even be on their tombstone. Here lies the person who refused to admit that slavery was part of what caused the Civil War. And yet they bring Nikki Haley on. Can you imagine Trump answering or not answering the way she did? And then them, I know they brought Trump on before back in 2015, but that was before a lot of the, you know, the propaganda buildup, turning him into a, a white national Nazi MAGA, whatever. They would never do that. They wouldn't do that to anybody else except Nikki Haley. And here she is. I will shut up and let you watch. Okay, our next question comes from someone who describes herself as a concerned South Carolina voter. Yes, hello. My question is, why won't you debate Nikki Haley? Oh my God, it's her. The woman who was in charge of security on January 6th. It's Nancy Pelosi. For the 100th time, that is not Nancy Pelosi. So who this guy's playing here, I can't remember his name. He's a, he's a black guy. He's a funny guy. He's been on here a while. I think he might be from Atlanta. He's, he's supposed to be Charles Barkley. He, and he's not even, he's hardly even trying to be Charles Barkley. It's not even close. It's so lazy. It is Nikki Haley. Are you doing okay, Donald? You I'm going to take it back. Actually, I'll play it through. Then I'll go through it and point out what I want to point out. Might need a mental competency test. You know what I did? I took the test and I aced it. Okay, perfect score. They said I'm 100% mental. And 
you know, I'm confident because I'm a man. That's why a woman should never run our economy. Women are terrible with money. In fact, a woman I know recently asked me for $83.3 million. <laughs> and you've spent $50 million in your own legal fees. Do you need to borrow some money? Oh, Nikki, don't do this, Nikki. Nikki Tiki Tavi. Nikki, don't lose that number. Nikki Haley. Joel Osment, Nikki Haley, Joel Osment, we call her. Six cents. Remember that one? I see dead people. <laughs> yeah, that's what voters will say if they see you and Joe on the ballot. Oh, that, yeah, that's not very nice, Nikki. It's not nice. Oh. And I'm always very nice to you, except when I'm implying you weren't born in this country. Even though you're from South Carolina, and now I'm going to beat you in your state. So I have to stop it there. Trump just shared a post that somebody else wrote an article about. He, he, he didn't say that. Like th This didn't originate from him. This was something that uh, a constitutional scholar, which maybe they're way wrong. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the claim is that he shared. And they act like this is a whole birther situation, which if you know anything about the birther situation, literally multiple publications, uh, bi biographies of Barack Obama, it said that yeah, where did it say he was from? Africa. I don't. I can't remember where it said he was from, but it said he was from another country. Like it said it. It was published, and yet to look at something that's published, it says he's not from here, and then say maybe he's not from here again. As we talked about earlier, that makes you racist, and it also makes everybody forget that it was Hillary Clinton's campaign that started all of that, which somehow got stuck to Trump. Which now they're bringing the whole Bertha thing back with this, which Trump didn't start. He retweeted a comment. Uh, about an article someone made. Is it not worth at least reading the article to see if there is an argument? You're not even allowed to look at arguments as how they shut down all investigation by just saying things are racist. Fuck these people. And did you win your home state in the last election? I won Staten Island. And the parts of Long Island where the fist fights happen, where they, where they get out of the cars if you honk at them. I love my world star whites. All right. Well, that is a new one on me. Okay, we have time for one more question, and it's actually for Ambassador Haley. I think that's the singer. I don't know who she was. I was just curious. What would you say was the main cause of the Civil War? Um, and do you think it starts with an S and ends with a lavery? Yep, I probably should have said that the first time. And live from New York, it's Saturday night. She looks like a purple drink box. All right, so let's analyze uh, anorexic Trump and um, robotic Nikki Haley here. Obviously, they made Trump racist, even though they, they bring Nikki Haley on to make Trump the one who didn't do the slavery thing question. She did the omission, yet they use her to brand Trump racist. This is exactly what I said they would do. Exactly. And so this guy actually uses a pretty good Trump impersonation vocally and with his gestures, but he's too skinny. I mean, he's just too skinny. He looks weird. He doesn't have that authority. Like with the weight Trump has, it actually carries some authority with his vocal and his presence and his stance. This guy looks like uh he looks like Trump, crystal meth Trump, kind of. Here is Nikki's uh, intro here. Look at her face when she opens up here, okay? 
final voter. Yes, hello. Right, yes, hello. So she's reading the prompter very poorly. And court, look at that one old guy in the back left who can't help but smirk because he really, really likes Nikki Haley. But you notice everybody else there have, they're looking forward. They have straight faces because they've been told to do that. They've been told to be as stone-faced as possible, just like people in these town halls are. You know what people in these town halls don't do? They don't smile like they're trying to be in a dental commercial the entire time and then laugh at their own jokes as they're telling them. So Nikki Haley, if this was a real person asking a question, would not be making that stupid grin on her face, but she's just, the whole time, it's like she's going, I, I'm on SNL. I'm, it's like she's thinking about how popular she is the whole time. And she's so happy about it. She's so happy about it that she can't even put in a, a, an authentic performance. You don't deliver these lines with that stupid fucking grin on your face. You deliver them as a concerned voter with a serious look, and that makes the joke hit harder. Not when you're already laughing like an idiot. I'm so happy people like me. My question is, why won't you debate Nikki Haley? All right, let's skip past the Trump part. For the 100th time, that is not Nancy Pelosi. Pelosi. It is Nikki Haley. Are you? There she is, still smiling, still very, it, it just, she's reading lines, man. If this were an acting class, she would be, so, somebody would be going over there and, and trying to shake out of it, Nikki. Stop, stop. I, like, it's so inauthentic. Again, I love this old guy who just adores her. He can't fucking help himself. Good for him. I hope he got to meet her. I, that's probably the one Nikki Haley voter in the audience. All these other people are at least staying in character. You're doing okay, Doc. That guy's looking at her like that Janet P. Lady looks at horse dick. Donald, you might need a mental competency test. You know what I did? I Look at how she delivers that line where she's like, uh, she delivers the line as... I know I'm going to get him. I'm going to show him and roast him with this question, even though it's not actually Donald Trump, right? You know what I'm talking about? I can't wait to ask you this question because I'm about to get you. This is not real Donald Trump. I can't stand this. Are you doing okay, Donald? You might need a mental competency test. You know what I did? I took the test and I... She looks like she's wearing curtains. Tasted, okay, perfect score. They said I'm 100% mental and, you know, I'm competent because I'm a man. That's why a woman should never run our economy. Women are terrible with money. In fact, a woman I know recently asked me for $83.3 million. And you've spent $50 million. She is smirking the whole friggin' time. dollars in your own legal fees. Do you need to borrow some money? Oh, Nick. She's so conditioned to put on that smiling wave politics face that she can't help herself. She can't be a real person. Hey, don't do this, Nikki. Nikki Tiki Tavi. Skip to the, more Nikki. Here she is. Laughing at herself. Yeah, that's what voter Laughing at herself before she delivers the line. We'll say if they see you and Joe on the ballot. Oh, it's not very nice. You see that? The, she's confusing her media training. It's not how you deliver that line. Did, did she not rehearse this at all? It's Nikki. It's not nice. Oh. And I'm always very nice to you, except when I'm implying you weren't born in this country. Even though you're from South Carolina, and now I'm going to beat you in your state. 
And did you win your home state in the last election? I won Staten Island. There she is. Just like she's getting like, it's so funny. She thinks that she's really showing Trump up here. It's not real. Not that any of it is real, you know. And here is the most unnatural answer ever. Look at this shit, man. You know, sometimes, see, see how everybody's got a straight face? Like, that woman looks like she's dead, actually. She looks like she just died from how bad Nikki Haley's performance is. That woman's got, like, razor-sharp... Uh, look at her. Her face is um, it's kind of like a cat-like. And this guy... This guy is, I just woke up and I smoked too much weed last night guy. It's like he just woke up and there's a naked woman standing in front of him. He's like, what? Starts with an S and ends with a lavery. Yep, I probably should have said that the first time. And live from New York, it's Saturday night. You know, Nikki Haley, had she given a good performance at all here, might have been able to persuade me a little bit. I would not never vote for her. But if she could at least give me an authentic, funny performance, and I'll have a little respect for you. She half-assed it. It was terrible. The cold openings on SNL are usually very bad. Sometimes the, the news segment of it is not bad. Usually it is. But they do have Shane Gillis hosting next week, so who knows? Maybe it'll be funny. He's a pretty funny guy. Okay, last story here. Then we're out of here. I've been a little amped up today, so I hope I haven't been too much for you guys. This is... A, I was watching this game. I saw video clips of this. Here's a story. What was the team... There was uh, some basketball fans, college basketball fans. You know how you try and get the opponent to miss free throws? Well, there was like five or six students that were all grouped right in front of uh, the, the free throw shooter, right in his line of vision, where they were all screaming. They had their shirts off. And their tactic for distracting the free throw shooter was they were giving each other haircuts while the opponent was shooting free throws. That's a real... It's a real uh, uh, creative way to disrupt the standard patterns because athletes black out uh, the audience oftentimes. My brother played professional college baseball and he used to ask him about how he would deal with all the yelling and the heckling. And he said, you just black it out. You don't hear it. And my, my goal as a heckler, and you know, when I played, when I was younger, I, I also, I, I understand that. But like my goal as a heckler, which I was very good as a heckler, I mean, I have some pretty, one day I'll tell you guys a lot of my heckling stories. Some of them, some, some of them are pretty legendary. I'm going to be honest. I, I, I once got the parents of a college baseball team. I, I once got them to heckle their own students during the middle of an NCAA tournament game. I'll tell you the story some other time. But my goal, you can't be like the other hecklers. You say the same thing, then it's going to fall into their blackouts. And you have to disrupt the pattern of what they're used to in a way that jars them. And this is a pretty creative way. So as a, as somebody who prides myself in being a good heckler at sports games, I appreciate game when I see game. So here's the story. Cliche fan gets haircut to distract opposing players shooting free throws. Let's see if they, if they worked Cleveland state players stepping uh, Stepping to the foul line, or here's the headline. It can get a little hairy during college basketball games. Ha ha. 
Cleveland State players stepping to the foul line to attempt free throws were treated to the sight of Oakland University students shaving the head of another fan right behind the basket. They did it to all of them because they all clearly just had haircuts. Uh, shirtless members of the Golden Grizzlies swimming and diving teams sheared the locks of a fan during Saturday's game at the Athletic Center Arena in Auburn Hills. Um, the team members you, used to shaving their heads to gain an advantage while while competing. It didn't, so it didn't matter. I didn't care if their heads were shaved. Here's a video of it. <laughs> oh, oh, man. The haircuts continue. College was fun. <laughs> so that's the view that the the shooter see. He sees his cat. Look at that. It's at the free throw line, staring into a man getting his head shaved. Their whole goal is to just mess with these guys. It's so much fun. It takes a lot of concentration to be able to still nail free throws in that environment. <laughs> I don't. It didn't show if he made it or not. What was the, the? Okay, it says the distraction seemed to work. Cleveland State shot eight of thirteen from the free throw line much less than their already poor season average of 66%. Camera showed the two fans, or the fans uh, finishing off haircuts at the end of the game. So the fan could then look respectable. So they did a little bit of time, I guess. And Oakland, which was, I think that was where the fans were, yeah. Oakland, they were winning pretty big anyway, I think. They were winning or losing. Now they were winning by about 19 points. It says, Oakland, 15-9 and nine in contention in the Horizon League title. Eventually trimmed Cleveland State. Uh, eventually trimmed Cleveland State by an eighty-three. Okay, say so, so they're using a little haircut pun there. It's usually when you say trimmed, you're losing the game in basketball anyway, and you trimmed the opponent's lead. But they trimmed them as they defeated them by twelve points. Whatever. I know it's not necessarily a newsy story, but like I said, I appreciate creativity especially for the sake of disrupting. All right, I'm getting out of here. Thanks, guys. Thanks for putting up with me today. We'll talk to you all next time. Have a fantastic rest of your day.